threat of disaster is never pleasant. Welcome to the Casual Preppers Podcast. These safety measures are essential. The only place for prepping, survival, and entertainment. This will be your source of survival instructions and information. Every member of the family must be coached in the business of survival. Here are your hosts, Cam and Kobe. This will be the best episode. <laughs> this is a very weird episode. <laughs> I can't do. I was trying to practice like a German accent. I'm like, I can't do it. If I do like go into like do like the Mad Hitler accent, sometimes I can do it, but it's a little overblown. It's hard, so I try not. I ain't gonna do it. I try to limit my Hitler voice. (laughs) Yeah, to once a week. I don't really send that one out much. (laughs) No, once a week. Yeah. The camera. What are we doing today? Um, we're gonna talk about some super weird stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know you read the title already, (laughs) and you might be a little, you know. A little worried about what maybe we're people talk about. are doing like podcast roulette where they just like don't I, even look at it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's Who a good knows? idea. Maybe yeah. I'm just like you know well, when you put in your you know earbuds and all of a sudden just starts playing an episode yeah. of something. You're like okay, I'm gonna go. This with is it. what I'm listening yeah, to. So yeah. maybe that's what's happening right now. But Could we're gonna be. talk about uh, the uh, Nazis mm-hmm. and their obsession with occultism and mm-hmm. just all the weirdness around it. Yeah. These, they were into so much weird stuff. Yeah, they had some weird Their fetishes. parents were not proud of <laughs> many of the things that they got into. No, man. So, weird stuff. Yeah, we, we've mentioned them so many times on like some of the other theories and Antarctica yeah. and stuff. We're just going to dive into some of the weird, friggin' way weird stuff. Yeah. But I want to tell you first about something that's not weird and it's essential. Mm-hmm. And you all need it. I'm going to jump right to it. It's called the Prepper's Medical Handbook. Mm. And the reason you need this is because it is written by a wilderness medicine expert, a survivalist, and a, a mother effing MD. Most certainly not a Nazi. No. 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 And uh, he seriously breaks this book down into very easy to read mm-hmm. um, medical uh, prepping stuff that you will find very useful. How to build your fac. Mm. How to take care of sore tongue. I don't mm. know if that's in there. <laughs> I got a sore tongue. <laughs> that's been like on my schedule so much. Has it? Like, yeah, I don't know what's my going on. My tongue hurts? I've been my tongue. <laughs> been sore for seven months. But um, <laughs> That's weird. But no, this is a yeah. super good medical handbook to have in your bug out bag or just your at-home kit to, yeah. to help you get through the apocalypse with mm. just your minimal uh, medical knowledge. Sure. This is the way to do it. So go to preppersmedicalhandbook.com, pick mm-hmm. you up a copy, or just go to Amazon. It's usually the easiest. Yeah. The Preppers Medical Handbook. Get it, boy. It's a good one. Yeah, so uh, today we're talking about Nazis, occultism, like weirdness. They did so much weird stuff, yeah. man. I, hadn't, I mean, we knew all the, we've learned of all the really sure. horrible yeah, but they got into some real dark stuff. Yeah, they were. They <laughs> Not were doing that the some... other stuff wasn't. So... <laughs> <laughs> so to say, they, 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 there were some other dark stuff we won't talk about today. But this is like they were into like wizards and warriors and <laughs> yeah, playing D and D like yeah. The these guys basement. were totally into magic. Yeah, it's really weird. So I had no idea. So we just decided we're going to go through all the weird stuff. They and they like tried to use some of this stuff to like further. Oh yeah, the the Hitler. They didn't want to the like, Nazi cause. They want to be done. Yeah. They're like, we're going to last for a thousand years because yeah. we're going to use magic. Screw this! Like you know, conquering a country by country. We're just going to conquer gonna the entire the universe. universe. Yeah, they really <laughs> yeah. thought that they. Yeah, so so, crazy. so we're going to talk about some of that stuff. And like some of this is not necessarily like a cult, but it, it, a lot of it kind of 
you know, lands into that yeah, sort of category of weirdness. So it is weird. Yeah. So that let's is... start with with the Nazis and like UFOs. UFOs are fun. Oh my gosh, okay. I love. Them. And so I like this portion. Um, mm-hmm. was a little less weird because sure. we all know that they were doing tons of uh, engineering and research. Mm-hmm. Rocket engines and stuff came about yeah. at this time. The V two rockets, V one. So. There was a lot of, um, there's a, still a lot of conspiracy around what they actually developed and used and um, studied, and and so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, German UFO theories describe supposedly successful attempts to develop advanced aircraft or spacecraft mm-hmm. during and prior to during and during World War II, further asserting that the post-war survival of these craft in secret underground bases in Antarctica, mm-hmm. South America, United States. Hey, we even have them. <laughs> Backdoor Vernal. Yeah. You never sounds know. Like backdoor Vernal sounds like a nice a bar here. That sounds like a, that sounds like a hunting film. Backdoor <laughs> Vernal. Backdoor Vernal. <laughs> um so anyways, here's some of the uh sightings, projects, and accounts um from various sources. Okay. The Daiglach. Daiglach. Or the bell. Yeah, the bell. We, so, I think we've talked about this. Yeah, I like this. This one's like my favorite. It has the coolest looking shape. Okay. I mean, it's just a bell Looks like a bell. shaped flying saucer thing. Yeah. Um, it was purported top secret Nazi scientific technology. Wait, as a, to sci- yeah. uh, oh my gosh, as a top secret <laughs> Nazi scientific technological device. Yeah. Secret weapon, the Wunderwaff. Wunderwaff. The Wunderwaff. Eh. <laughs> it's a Vanderwaff. Vanderwaff is so fly. <laughs> Vanderwaff called sky. Vanderwaff, it flies. Daiglach Vanderwaff. <laughs> First described by Polish journalist and author Igor v- uh, Witwowski in Prada o Vanderwaff. <laughs> <laughs> it was later popularized by military journalist and author Nick Cook. That's easier to say. Yeah. So mainstream mainstream reviewers have criticized claims about the Diglock as uh, being pseudoscientific, yeah. recycled rumors, and hoax. The Diglock and other alleged Nazi miracle weapons have been dramatized in video games, television shows, and novels. However, many skeptics have doubted that such a Bell UFO was actually designed or ever built. Mm-hmm. There's other like reports of it being stolen information by the U.S. Sure, uh, from the Nazis <clears throat> mm-hmm. that they had this. Um, Cool looking bell shaped UFO. Daiglock. It flies so well. Vanderwaffe. Vanderwaffe. It's such a Vanderwaffe. <laughs> um, then there's this, the, the Morning of Magicians. So it was a 1960 book by Louise Powell's mm. and Jacques Bezier. <laughs> made many spectacular claims about the Vril Society of Berlin. I'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. Sure. Other claims along with the state society have been made contact with alien race and dedicated itself to creating spacecraft to reach the aliens. Mm-hmm. So this is a book that kind of proposed and, and supposedly took some facts about like the Nazi party and I'd like the Vril Society. And developed. I know. This one actually looks pretty interesting. I wonder if you can find it. With somewhere. the Nazi defeat, the society allegedly retreated to the base in Antarctica and vanished into the hollow earth to meet up with the leaders of an advanced race inhabiting the inner earth. So the Nazis found it and they took all their stuff and the... Thule Society, mm-hmm. like Twila, how it should be spelled. No, they make the roof racks, right? Right. There's like so many different ways that everybody says it's I pronounced. Know. I have no idea how to pronounce it. So I'm going with the roof Thule. rack. Way. Roof rack? Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyways, so that that's one that was kind of used some claims of sure. uh, the Nazis taking all their information and storing it down in Antarctica. The nice hangar. Nice. We've talked about that too. We did talk about that. Ernest Zundel 
German Holocaust denier uh, started um, Samstadt, Samstadt Publishers in the 1970s. He initially catered to the ufology community, which was then at its peak of public acceptance. His books claimed that flying saucers were Nazi secret weapons launched from an underground base in Antarctica. So he went off with that. Dude, kind of the same thing. Two different things. Um, but some inter- that interviewed him claims that he privately admitted it was deliberate hoax to build publicity for his little book club there, the publishers. Oh. Although he still defends it as late as 2022. He said, no, no, no. It's still alive? It's real. Jeez. I don't know. 2002? Oh, 2002. I thought you said 2022. I think I did, but he probably did. He probably did now. Yeah. Yeah. Miguel Serrano, he wrote a book. He's a Chilean diplomat and Nazi sympathizer. Hmm. Published El Cordon Dorado. <laughs> <laughs> Hitlerism is uh, esoterical. Uh-huh. So the golden thread, uh, esoteric Hitlerism. Sounds okay. like a good book to read down in, in Chile. Oh, yeah, you gotta. In which he claimed Adolf Hitler was an avatar of Vishnu and was at the time commuting, commuting with the gods in an underground Antarctic <laughs> base in New Swabia. This un- underground so weird, Antarctic So base. many of those talk about that. Yeah. He predicted that Hitler would lead a fleet of UFOs from the base to establish the Fourth Reich. Mm. In popular culture, this alleged UFO fleet is referred to as the Nazi Flying Saucers of Antarctica. That's a pretty basic name. Yeah, that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> I think. I am a commander of the Nazi Flying Saucers of Antarctica. Yeah, hello. <laughs> so, um, these are just some different reports and sightings during the time before and after, before, during, and after World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is called Ghost Rockets. Oh, That's pretty simple. Yeah, I like that. I thought I was didn't see him. I got a ghost um, right here. Ghost rockets were rocket or missile-shaped unidentified flying objects sighted in 1946, mostly in Sweden and nearby countries like Finland. 1946, been, so this is after the yeah, war? Yeah, there had been some reports before in the 30s okay. too, but most of the reports came around this time. The first reports of ghost rockets were made on February 26, 1946 by Finnish observers. Mm. About 2,000 sightings were logged between May and December 1946. 2,000? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's on a the lot. money. Jeez. <laughs> With peaks on and around the like between 9 and 11 of August, which is 9/11. also that's like when the peak per se uh, meteor shower. So oh, a okay. lot of people are like, that's what's going on. It is. Don't know the ghost rocket from a meteor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't know meteors. Our, don't know our ass from our elbow. But others are like, no, the way that they moved and, you know. <clears throat> They went up, and the meteor's coming down. I've never seen a meteor move that way. So, yeah, way. they're like, no, that's bogus to claim that that was... And others believe that it was captured V1, V2 testing by the Soviets, which sure. is probably what was going on. Yeah, they probably had a lot of they're those. just shooting a bunch of stuff yeah. on. And then uh, the other one is flying disks. Sure. Just super basic. Yeah. Similar sentiments regarding German technology resurfaced during 1947. Flying disk craze after... Kenneth Arnold's widely reported close encounter with nine crescent-shaped objects moving at high velocity. I don't know about it. 1,800 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, I get to that. There's oh, actually a part in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, when World War II ended, the Germans had several radical types of aircraft and guided missiles under development. Radical. The, yeah. That's radical. <laughs> the majority were in the in most preliminary stages. Probably just on paper. <laughs> we drew a picture of it. <laughs> Hitler, what do you think? <laughs> but they were the only known craft that could even approach the performance of objects reported by UFO to The one I drew here can go 8 million miles an hour. What do you think, Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. You like that one? Yeah. What do you think? There's no windows yet. I haven't drawn those in. I ain't even drawn a guy to drive it yet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Where's this at? Well. 
It's Antarctica. Well, I haven't drawn scenery around <laughs> some trees. Maybe a little tree here. It's just funny. Though, I know. Oh, man. These, it's super fast. Let me tell you what <laughs> I, I think it's going to do. It's fast. In man. 1953, when uh, Avro Canada... <laughs> announced that it was developing the v, VZ9AV Avro car, which is a nice RC car that goes about <laughs> like, what is a circular jet aircraft with an estimated speed of 1,500 mile power. A circular jet? Yeah. What was that? I don't know. I thought all <laughs> jets were like cylindrical. Can only fly in circles. <laughs> it just spins. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually tied to the ground with a chain, so it just stays in one place. <laughs> German engineer George Klein claimed that such designs had been developed during the Nazi era. Yeah. Klein identified two types of supposed German flying discs. A non-rotating disc developed in Breslau by V2 rocket engineer Richard Meith, mm. uh, which was captured by the Soviets. Oh. Yeah. While Meith fled to the U.S. via France and ended up working for Avro. Mm. So I guess Avro's like a um, Developer. Uh, aviation company. Yeah. Mm. A disc developed by Rudolf Schreiber and Klaus uh, Habermol. 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 Uh, at Prague, um, which consisted of a ring of moving turbine blades around a fixed cockpit. Now, let's just imagine for a minute. I don't even I get that. I can't even get, understand this. <laughs> moving turbine blades around a fixed cockpit. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's like a jet, but you're sitting in the middle. Like, it's sure. almost like a jet engine spinning around in the like middle. a teacup type <laughs> yeah. situation. Klein claimed that he had witnessed Kraft's first crew flight on 14th February 1945 when it managed to climb, this is crazy, managed to climb to uh, 40,000 feet in three minutes and attained Ooh. a speed of 1,400 mile per hour in level flight. Everybody that died. Is, <laughs> whoa. Fast. So that's, that's, cool. that's incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. Aeronautical engineer Roy Fedden remarked that the only craft that could approach the capabilities attributed to flying saucers were those being designed by Germans towards the end of the war. Fedden, who was also the chief technical mission, uh, chief of the technical mission for to Germany for the Ministry of Aircraft Production, Ugh, that's a long one, stated in 1945, I have seen enough of their designs and production plans to realize that if they, the Germans, had managed to prolong the war for some months longer, they would have been confronted with a set of entirely new and deadly development in air warfare. Mm. Some of these engineers don't have any history of ever working anywhere with rockets. So, Weird. That, that, he didn't say that. Sorry, yeah. I said it that way. Okay. The, but a lot of these engineers and stuff were like looked up and they don't really have any background or any history, but... But they can draw. They can draw real good. <laughs> they draw they good know numbers and speeds. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, no, that's nuts. But, but I just want to note, like, you f- did you finish that book? Yes. So, like, those German pilots were, like, eager to get into those jets. Right. It's like, obviously, that's probably where it ended. Like, that yeah. was the most advanced they had. Yeah. But, anyways, it's just interesting. That stuff they were building at the end of the war was trash, though. Like, oh, some of, like they were just using, like, subpar materials. And, like, they were breaking those down. Those poor, man. And they were, like... <laughs> I don't know how they did. They're like super experienced pilots getting stuck in these horribly yeah. put together. It's like they said jets. they could only fly them for like three hours at a time, and then yeah. they would have to be completely rehauled. The gas tanks are like all the way around it. <laughs> yes. It's like you're flying a gas tank. It doesn't make any sense. So yeah, there's some crazy stuff going on. But yeah, on. so it's just kind of cool. Um, there, there's a lot of this like conspiracies of like them developing it. There's no record yeah. of it. Where did the records go? Maybe the Soviets stole it. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So. Yeah. So yeah, that that was one portion of this crazy stuff. And another That's one the least crazy. That I is think. probably <laughs> the least crazy of the whole thing. So now we got kind of go into the search for these um artifacts. 
this kind of you know reminds you of Indiana Jones type stuff, right? Raiders of the Lost Ark, kind of cool. You know, the Last Crusade. This is the kind of stuff that that you know they were talking about, and it honestly wasn't that far off. <laughs> like it's not. That, I always wondered that. <clears throat> yeah, it's not so, that far off, crazy. man. So let's talk about the one that that they were talking about in um so the Last Crusade, and that would be the Holy Grail. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so much of this came from our found article. Found. Yes, we got it. We know it's down in the crack somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Much of this came from an article from the Daily Beast. It was a really cool article about this. So on the night of 10th of April, 1934, one of the 12 oak panels that comprise Jean Van Eck's famous painting, Adoration of the Mystic Lamb, was stolen from St. Ah. Babo Cathedral in Ghent, Belgium. So this is often referred to as the Ghent altarpiece. I don't know if you've That's ever like seen this. That's a huge, like... Yeah, I got a picture of it right there. It's it's. Gigantic. Gigantic. They were all after this, right? Everybody like, wanted it. It was like a big deal. So yeah, this, isn't it like two tons or five tons or something like it that? It is um two tons. So it is the most frequently stolen uh, art piece in the world. A two-ton piece? That makes sense. <laughs> That's why it's crazy. It, it, it has been burgled in its entirely or in parts at least six times. Is this the times. picture of it? No, do you have a picture yeah, of it? Yeah, right, right there. That's it. Oh, it has all that on it? That's the whole thing, yeah. Holy crap. That's what, How it, do they steal that thing? <laughs> I don't know. That's the crazy stuff, man. Yeah, if you, if you want to look us up, just the Ghent altarpiece. It's like it's it's like the size of a barn door, basically, is what it is. And it weighs I didn't realize it had tons. that much on it. Like, yeah. That is pretty sweet looking. Yeah, well, it's awesome. It's very cool. And, and you know, this was one of the most desired um, pieces of art by the Nazis, including Hitler. And then his second in command, uh, Goring. He was, he was like so into this stuff. We're going to talk about him quite a bit. But so... The the Nazis, they had their own art theft unit. It was called the ERR. Um, and so that... Uh, uh, what? Uh, what? Um, yeah, so they captured it first for Hitler. So they, they went out there. They got it. They got it in, in its hiding place in the Chateau Guess de... I got for you. <laughs> Chateau de Pau in the <laughs> south of France. And the Belgian government had it there for safekeeping. Obviously, it wasn't super safe. So they got it, but this is the crazy part. An emissary from Goring appropriated it from the Luftwaffe, Head's massive stolen art collection. So basically, they started stealing it back and forth from each other. The Germans That's did. so crazy. Because Goring wanted it and Hitler yeah, wanted it. Yeah, I knew it. that like like a little... It's so weird. Let's see who can get it first, the yeah, longest. Exactly. We'll hold on to it for longer. Um, so, so Hitler got wind that the Goring had got it, and he intercepted it again. He intercepted the altarpiece, and he sent it to... Castle Neuschwanstein, Neuschwanstein in Bavaria. Ah, ah Neuschwanstein. Neuschwanstein. Where it was restored and then uh, put for storage in a salt mine. So they had those salt mines out there. You know, they were storing a bunch of stuff in the Austrian Alps. Um, so they had uh, 12,000 of the most famous stolen artworks um, from Nazi-occupied Europe were kept in secret, destined to feature in Hitler's planned super museum. He was going to build this gigantic museum that was the size of an entire city. He was thoughtful. Yeah. Sounds like a great For idea. Everybody. He he loves the arts, you know? Yeah. He actually was a painter. He sucked, but he was a painter. <laughs> um, and it displayed is gonna it was gonna display every important artwork in uh, the world. So this this piece actually, if you've seen the Monuments Men or read the book, they actually ended up stealing this back. This is one of the pieces cool. that they got back. Yeah. So the altarpiece contains over 100 figures. And it's an elaborate pantheon of Catholic mysticism. At the center stands a heavenly field brimming with uniquely depicted figures around a sacrificial lamb, representative of Christ, obviously. The lamb stands upon an altar and bleeds into a chalice. So Mm. this is the Holy Grail, right? That's that's kind of what it's showing. So apparently Hitler 
was 100% convinced that this painting contained a coded map to the lost Catholic treasures. So it treasures. wasn't just the art mm-hmm. that they were into. No. They were like, there's something in here. This is like a national treasure type situation where you got to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> right. Uh, to and put some lemon juice on it. Lemon juice on it. And that that so that's what he was hoping. So he thought that this was actually going to take him to um, the so-called Arma Christi. And if you know this, this is the instruments of Christ's passion. This is the crown of thorns, the holy grail, and the spear of destiny. He's like, I'm gonna get all of them. I'm gonna get the whole set, put them on. <laughs> you know, it's like a. You know, you ever played Diablo where you got the set of armor and you had to get all the same color? That's kind of what it seems like to Just me. Just sitting there, dressed up, staring at the painting. There's gotta be a clue here. <laughs> this is it. So Hitler. This believed is a big clue. <laughs> he that was be- Russian. Yeah, it was Russian. That's all right. Hitler believed that the possession of the Arma Christi would grant their owner supernatural powers. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was the whole point of stealing this and getting this. It's like, we're going to get these supernatural powers. Yep. It's going to be friggin' awesome. So as the tide of the war turned ever more against the Nazis, Hitler, he's like, crank it up to 10, guys. Uh, we got to find this stuff. We got to get victory. So the Ennerby. Yeah, this one was tough. It's to hard to out. say, right? It sounds like, I was like, oh, how does it in German? It's super hard to say. Yeah, Ennerby. I don't know. <laughs> it, it means inheritance of the forefathers. It was a paranormal research group established by order of SS head Heinrich Himmler on July 1st. 1935. So Hitler and other top Nazi leaders, Himmler foremost among them, interest in the occult is well and widely documented. I mean, that's what we're talking about today, guys. So the Nazi party actually began as an occult fraternity, if you didn't know that, before it morphed into a political party. Himmler's SS, basically Hitler's bodyguard, uh, but in practice, the leading special forces of the Nazi army was wholly designed based on occult beliefs which is really weird. No, that's well, crazy. Well, Wellsburg, the castle headquarters of the SS, was the site of initiation rituals for 12 SS knights that was modeled on Arthurian legend. Yeah. It's like they're King going Arthur. way back. I know, it's pretty cool though. The magical powers of runes were invoked. Yes. And the Ananerbi logo features rune Somebody's style Somebody's getting lettering. so excited right now. I know, man. Oh my gosh. I gotta give out my dungeon master guide. <laughs> this is friggin' oh, awesome. I've been waiting to talk about this. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's super interesting. Too, it actually but, is really interesting. But that that is the it's logo. just crazy. Men of this much power, yeah, and like they had like infinite access mm-hmm. to information yep. because of you know yeah. they, they could do whatever they wanted sure. because they were so corrupt. But I was mm-hmm. just like they were doing they were studying this freaking pseudoscience stuff big right. time. Some you know some more than others. See, but, but they were like, doing so. They were doing like real science too. They were. They so were. Like he was just like so. But they were like focused. We want to take it. We're taking it, you know unwarranted stuff. We want to yeah. be like mm-hmm. immortal. Yeah, yeah. So it is pretty crazy. So the NNRB was a pseudo scientific institute sought supernatural advantages for the Nazi war effort, but also had a propagand- propagandistic agenda to seek scientific evidence to support Nazi beliefs, like the Aryan racial superiority. We're going to talk about that quite yep. a bit today. So in 1934, there was a theft of one of the panels on this artwork. Um, it was the Righteous Judges panel, referred to because it depicts a group of biblical wise men on there. The story goes, the Nazi propaganda minister Goebbels, along with Himmler, convinced of the idea, uh, uh, conceived of the idea to find the Lost Judges panel and give it as a gift to Hitler. 
at, at the 10th anniversary of his assumption of power in 1943. So they, they investigated throughout the city of Ghent, um, even taking apart portions of the cathedral because some people thought it might be there. They're just like tearing stuff apart. They didn't find anything. Um, and this guy was sent to Eastern uh, the Eastern Front for his failure because he couldn't find the lost panel. So, you know, why would the Nazis want to locate a single stolen panel. Why did they, you know, put so much effort into it? Again, some have suggested that the coded treasure map leading to the Arma Christi was missing a key component that was hidden on the judge's panel. Like that was like a really big piece of it. So in order for the map to bear fruit, it was needed, but it never kind of came to fruition. Unfortunately, they didn't, as far as we know, they did not find the Holy Grail. <laughs> Unfortunately, but even Maybe a, they did. apart from Hitler's this, fine I know. down in Antarctica, um, living forever. Exactly. Also, Himmler, the head of the SS, made a secret wartime mission to an abbey in Spain in search of what he believed was the Aryan Holy Grail. Uh, but he he came to the um, the mo- monastery inspired by Richard Wagner's opera Parsifal, which mm. mentions the Holy Grail could be kept in, in the marvelous castle of Montsevault. Okay. So that's why he went there because yeah. it was in an opera. And they ripped through it and couldn't But they didn't it. find it. They didn't find it unfortunately. So that was kind of the search for the Holy Grail but again like it's not that far off Indiana Jones man. It isn't. It's like really close. Yeah, I never realized that. Like they really were they were like, doing searching it. for these things to yeah. give them like mm-hmm. infinite power. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty crazy. That's so crazy. How about this one? I this one blows my mind even more <laughs> than the Holy Grail. This is before Marvel. Yeah. Thor's hammer. <laughs> Himmler believed that another fabled artifact, Thor's hammer, could be requisitioned as a weapon by the Third Reich. Okay. What do you think if we got Thor's hammer? <laughs> was that German? I don't know what that was. Something. It was something. But no, seriously, can you imagine sitting in a meeting? It's like, have we thought yeah. about this. Those Sherman tanks ain't going stand yeah. up to this. What if we got Thor's hammer? <laughs> uh, Himmler believed that the Mjörlinger. I can't remember. I don't how to say, how to say that. Uh, the hammer of Thor, Jorn, yeah. the god of thunder from North Norse mythology, was an ancient electrical weapon. Some that, some nerd just got super pissed <laughs> oh, that we blew I, that. Hey, so the guy, I can't believe they like, called that hammer that. This is ridiculous. <laughs> They're Nazis themselves. <laughs> um, it was an ancient electrical weapon that, if found and restored, could knock out tanks and entire armies. You imagine Hitler out there with a Thor's hammer, just like, you know, swinging away at tanks as they come into <laughs> Berlin. It's like, I just picture, like, getting nerdy here. Mm-hmm. Like, Lord of the Rings, very start. You know, uh-huh. they're like oh, yeah. all fighting it. It's like, boom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, what that's you Hitler picture, huh? standing there with a big hammer. Yeah. Uh, just he so just cleans weird. everything up. Yeah. So in an outlandish letter to the Anna Nerby, um, a think tank set up to give academic backing, obviously we talked about that, Himmler stated his belief that Thor's hammer was an early, highly developed war weapon of our forefathers. Heck yeah. For this reason, Himmler demanded <clears throat> that the Anna Nerby's team should find all places in the northern Germanic Aryan culture world where an understanding of the lightning bolt, the thunderbolt, Thor's hammer or the flying throne hammer exists. <laughs> we gotta get that son of a bee. Yeah, I'll put my name to it. Ain't nobody's get gonna it stop done. us. Man, so, so... It's weird. It's so weird. Yeah. So, um, this next part, Nazi mm. anthropology. Mm. They were in mad search for the lost, like, lost civilizations, mainly mm. to claim their superiority, <laughs> that's, that I that's know. where they came from. Mm-hmm. Like... They are of the superior race on earth that had mm-hmm. kind of existed during 
with Atlantis and the Aryans. What and, a crazy fascination I know. he had with this like yeah. superior race. Thing. Yeah. So Himmler was pretty much the the head behind all of this. Mm-hmm. Like he, for example, he was uh, adopted a range of neo-pagan ideas and believed himself to be a reincarnation of the 10th century Germanic king. Oh, okay. So he sure. was a big deal. Yeah. And he knew he was. You guys understand? So he's- I'm a reincarnation <laughs> of a king. I'm a king here. <laughs> Okay. You guys don't understand. <laughs> Give me Thor's hammer or else. <laughs> yeah, he so he was he was like <laughs> just completely out of his mind. Sure, yeah, sounds like it. But they had they really wanted to search for this. So mm-hmm. um ancient civilizations, this goes from Tuli, a sort of middle earth full of telepathic giants and fairies, and they believe to be the very a very real place of origin of the Aryans. Okay. Um to they believed about Atlantis and that the Aryans were tied to those too. They conducted some ridiculous research and spent a lot of money on explorations to find anything to do with this uh, mm-hmm. group. So around 1919, the Vril Society gave way to the Thule's Society. Thule. Thule. It's pronounced something. Thule. Yeah. Uh, society drew on traditions of various orders, such as the Jesuits, the Knights of Templar, the Order of the Golden Dawn, and the uh, Suffice. Uh, incubus, 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 succubus. Yeah, it promoted the myth of Thule, a legendary island that I was explaining, and that that is the home of the master race, the original Aryans, and mm. that is where Himmler primarily, but a lot of Germans believe that's their ancestry. So that's that's where they came from. I am German. You they know. are Aryans. That's yeah, my so people. you're an Aryan. That's my people. <laughs> um. As the legend of Atlantis, with which it is sometimes identified, the inhabitants of uh, Thule were forced to flee from some cat, um, catastrophe that destroyed the world. Yeah, probably a, a but, meteor or yeah, yeah. something like that. But the survivors had retained their magical powers oh, and were nice. hidden from the world, yeah. perhaps in secret tunnels in Tibet, what? where they might be, con- uh, might be contacted and subsequently bestowed their powers on the Aryan descendants. That's what they were looking for. They're like, we got to find them. Anybody. Yeah. There's got to be like, yeah. just like in, um, I, like uh, the last crusade. It's yeah. like there's one crusader there. They were hoping Still to find like, like one Aryan that could pass on those powers. Mm-hmm. Got to be. Power, it's got to be. Boy. So the Ananerbi, <clears throat> as Kobe kind of described that group, SS group that was created by Himmler to kind of dig for all this information from 1935 to 1945, uh, they were composed of scholars and scientists from a broad range of academic disciplines and um, fostered the idea that German people were descended from the Aryan race and were racially superior to all other races, racial groups. Not a great belief to hold. And I wonder if that's, I mean, <laughs> that's just kind of what they thought anyway. I mean, yeah, that was the whole and, thing. And that's where it's coming from. Yeah. Adolf Hitler believed that one could divide humanity into three groups, the founders of culture, the bearers of culture, and the destroyers of culture. Ooh. The founders of culture, in Hitler's view, uh, were biologically distinct Aryan race who he believed and had been they were tall, blonde, and originated from Northern Europe. He mm, believed that in the sexy. prehistory, uh-huh, ah. the Aryan race, blonde on top and bottom. <laughs> yeah. Carpets match the drapes. <laughs> uh, had been responsible for all significant developments in human culture. I wonder if that's why, like, oh. yeah, anyway. Okay. Uh, including agriculture, architecture, music, literature, and visual arts. And there are some things I didn't, we didn't even go into detail on, like the like bio farming and all that stuff yeah. that came from what they believe was from the like all this knowledge from the Aryans. He believed that most modern Germans were the descendants of these Aryans and had genetically inherited the Aryans' biological superiority to other races. Mm. So he wanted to unlock that. Oh, yeah, he he wanted to find out how 
they could start practicing their magic. Yeah. It sucks that Hocus <laughs> Pocus know. came out so late. I know. Because they would have been totally into this. Gotta get that book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the destroyers of culture and Hitler's views were the Jews. Of whom course. Who regarded not as genetically diverse, um, regarded not as a genetically diverse population sharing certain ethno- uh, cultural and religious traits as they were then widely recognized, but as a unified biologically distinct race. Sure. He believed that whatever the Jews went, they just damaged and just ultimately destroyed the culture surrounding them. That's not very nice. So they were like the anti-Aryans. Sure. So, <clears throat> so it, uh, Hitler, um, he had a lot of inter interest in the Thule society and spent some time with them and mm -hmm. studying. He kind of had a little bit of a falling out because of some other reasons, but he never really, let go of those ideas of believing that they were superior and um, connected to the uh, Aryans. Mm -hmm. So Nazi Germany, notions of Aryanism, racial superiority underwent several metamorphoses. Uh, for a while, the USSR became the place where the Nazis tried to find what they believed to be the most convincing evidence of their own exceptionalism, which is pretty weird. It is weird. It's like, it's got to be over there. Maybe it's over there. We got, <laughs> let's get rid of them. Um, uh, they said, we have nothing in common with the people who understand nationalism only as a collection of legends and myths. Now, these people are starting to conduct research on the basis of mythical cultural of the Atlanteans, okay. Adolf Hitler said in 1936. A year after the creation of the uh, Andenerbe, uh, it was practically a whole German research institute studying occult practices and legends. So they went to, they, they kind of we're looking in the, you know, Russia and modern day Russia now for some of these clues, but they believe too, that the, um, the Atlanteans still existed and were hiding deep in caves of Tibet. So right. they, they had a lot of, there's a lot of history of them down there and seven years in Tibet was about, you know, they were never seen it, never seen it. Mm -mm. So they were hikers and they basically get thrown in prison by the, Nazis and stuff mm. like that. But there's a lot of involvement of the Germans there. And this is why, because they were down there researching, trying to find out where the Aryan race was. I feel like if they could have just focused on waging a war, oh my they might have won. They probably would have been more powerful. <laughs> Instead they, were, of, they, they just were everywhere. <laughs> just like pretty scatterbrained. Oh my let's gosh. try this. No, let's try yeah. this. Let me where let's try is this. this freaking mage wand? <laughs> I need it. I ain't throwing hammer right so, yeah. now. So they spent a lot of, they, in 1938, they sent a team of five Germans to Tibet on this search operation. And they ended up sending more. But two of the team's members stood out to the rest. One was Ernest Schaefer. I just wanted to bring this up because it's crazy. A gifted 28-year-old zoologist who had been in the Indian-China-Tibet border twice earlier. Schaefer had joined the SS soon after the Nazi triumph of 1933, long before Himmler became his patron for the Tibet uh, expedition. Schaefer was crazy about hunting and loved to gather trophies in his Berlin home. On one hunting expedition, while attempting to shoot a duck from a boat he and his wife were in, he slipped when taking aim and shot his wife in the head accidentally and killed her. <laughs> Sounds Jeez. like an accident. I don't know what happened. I was duck hunting and she was dead. <laughs> duck. Go, <laughs> I said I duck. I told her to duck. I don't know what's going on. She yeah. don't listen. She gets a bullet in the face. <laughs> the second key man was Bruno Berger. Berger. A young anthropologist who had joined the SS in 1935. Uh, I think it's Berger or Berger? Beggar? Beggar? Beggar. Beggar. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, uh, would take measurements of the skulls of facial details of Tibetans and make face masks, he mm. said, especially to collect material about the proportions, origins, significance, and development of the Nordic race in the region. 
Weird place to go. It's, it seems, yeah, white. Such a weird place to go. They just thought that they, they fled don't there look after. Like I know. Aryans. Like, I picture like this, like, blonde haired, yeah. you know, <laughs> blonde haired, blonde muffed race. That's <laughs> exactly, just, <laughs> yeah. It's, a bunch it's of, like huge and muscular. Yeah. Why are you going clear over there? <laughs> like, short, like, uh, just. I'm thinking maybe they're over here. <laughs> yeah. Short brown people. Man, it went, yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> Um, they, they sent a lot of people down there to research and they ended mm. up establishing, they, they set up a little base there and I'll talk about that later, uh, of another portion of what they were, when they were looking for the Aryans. Um, but, uh, it's just so crazy that they, they looked in the U S mm-hmm. modern day Russia for history, for, like you said, I mean, if they would have focused some of their effort on like actual, building of war machine that they already had they like, might have done better steamrolled everything yeah um other things there's dolmens these are structures made of stone slabs with round openings in the side are scattered around the south of russia i want to know more about these anyway yeah, yeah they're really weird um uh the ananerbi believed these were left by the Aryans or the goss the ananerbi oh. began uh the the hunt for this particular trove before world war ii according to I don't want to say that one. Mm-hmm. Rosiaskia Getzitda. Hydrologists from the secret organization decided that water from the cave under the lake uh, Ritza was ideally suitable for the manufacture of human blood plasma. What? <laughs> the lake is just human blood plasma. How do you manufacture human blood plasma? I don't know. The Germans know. Okay. This is alleged uh, to be why German mountain road experts offered their help to the USSR in the construction of the Pitsunda Ritza Road. The mm. road was a strategic one. They got to get that blood plasma water. Yeah, seriously. Some awesome water. Silver can- <laughs> that is awesome water. <laughs> That's awesome water. <laughs> Silver canisters of the living water from Abkhazia or whatever were first transported to the sea and then on submarines to a base in Konstata, uh, which from which they were flown to Germany. See, just all the effort that they did with all this weird crap. They're just oh. transporting water from a lake across the freaking globe <laughs> that they submarine. thought could be used to make human plasma. It doesn't make any sense. There were even plans to build a submarine tunnel from the Sea of Ritza, according to <laughs> Ivan Bormatov, a local historian expert and senior lecturer. Um, but the plans were disrupted by the war. So they were like My building goodness. all this. So anyways, the Aryan race, mm. that's where mm-hmm. the Nazis believe they came from. They were from uh, descendants of uh, Atlantis and Thule, mm-hmm. and they had all these magical powers, and they just yeah. spent tons of money and time trying to find this stuff. And I don't it's think crazy, they man. found it. I so don't think they, they found it. They believe a lot of weird ideas, obviously. When, you know, um, one of the weirdest, this, this thing is so, I don't even understand how this gained traction. I, I hadn't heard of this one until we started doing that. Yeah. It's um, It was a theory about the creation of the universe that Hitler and then other top Nazis promoted. It was called the World Ice Theory. Okay? Sounds cool. Or the Glacial Cosmology. This has been obviously discredited, but uh, it, it was developed by Austrian engineer and inventor Hans Horbinger. Horbiger. Hans um, Christian Andersen. Yeah, fine Christian name. <laughs> um, in a 1912 book, he essentially claimed that ice is the basic element in all cosmic events, okay? Um, In fact, ice moons, ice planets, and also global ether, which is also made of ice, control the development of the universe. Okay. Okay? Uh, One day in 1894, Horbiger... That's why I get an ice machine in my fridges. Horbiger was looking at the moon, okay? 
He's looking at it. He's outside, just like gazing up at the moon. And suddenly, he hypothesized <laughs> that it was made of ice. It's his big ice ball. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like, what else could account for its brightness and its round shape? <laughs> that was his. What, what do you think? So shiny. I mean, think about it. It's in the sky. It's round. It's <laughs> It'd be bright. Sweet if it was big old ice, like it looked prettier. Yeah. yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. Um, so later, he had a dream where he was floating in space while he was staring at a swinging pendulum, which grew longer until it broke off. Okay. <laughs> I knew that Newton had been wrong, <laughs> and that Just dang fool, <laughs> and that the sun's gravitational pull ceases to exist at three times the distance of Neptune. <laughs> okay. There's no more gravity after it's that. It's kind of good to see that there were wackos then. I know. We have wackos, like wackos today wackos of today. like flat earthers and <laughs> yeah. all that. The gist of their idea was that the solar system was born of a gigantic star into which had crashed another star which was dead, but it was filled with water, Mm. okay? The resulting explosion threw the smaller star's bits all over interstellar space where water condensation froze them into enormous blocks of ice. Balls? Blocks of ice. (laughs) A ring of... Wouldn't the moon just be a big square? I don't know. Yeah, They weren't in like an ice cube tray. (laughs) Okay. Maybe it was. (laughs) A ring of such blocks created what we know as the Milky Way, as well as other solar systems. The large outer planets of our solar system are are that size because they swallowed a large number of ice blocks, says the theory. The inner planets like Earth haven't consumed as much ice, but get pummeled by ice from in the form of meteors. Some ice water right now. (laughs) I don't know. I'm getting thirsty. All that talk about ice. The theory also... He was just freaking thirsty. I oh, know. He just wanted some <laughs> cold water. hot water. summer, he's like, I bet that's all ice. This Berlin summer is so... <laughs> it needs ice. Mm. Just a little bit of ice in my scotch. It would be so much better. Um, that's probably Austrian. I can't do a German accent. Um, Same diff. The, the theory also... <laughs> Same diff. No duh. No doy. <laughs> okay. Same deal. The theory also says that our current moon is not the first one that we've had. Mm. It's just moon 2.0. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In fact, several other ones made of ice, of course, were destroyed by crashing into the earth. They just break into the earth and they break apart and we get a new one later on. Okay. Well, the world ice. In other words, snowstorms. <laughs> yeah. The world ice theory also incorporated the mythical continent of Atlantis into its lore. Mm. Hans Hobbiger believed that German ancestors once lived in Atlantis. Of course. That is until one of the ice moons crashed to the surface and destroyed it, (laughs) (laughs) causing the Teutonic people to flee to save their lives. It's the best way to say that. (laughs) Uh, There, but then it was destroyed by friggin' ice. Stupid ice moon. Offshoot ideas. Stupid ice moon. Stupid ice moon. Get to Atlantis. Um, <laughs> Is the ice moon coming? Yeah. Um, offshoot ideas by Horbinger's followers actually linked the flood described in the Bible and Atlantis' oh. supposed existence and destruction to the fall of prior moons. That makes sense. The moons came down and Moses, melted. Yeah. Or not Moses. Noah. Uh, Noah didn't, uh, mention, Noah. didn't mention anything about ice floating around. No, because it melted. Can't Once imagine the moon all hit. of it melts. <laughs> yeah. Um, when someone criticized his ideas, for example, stating that they don't make sense mathematically. I go, we could do the math on this, buddy, and it ain't coming out right. Horbiter responded with such statements as, calculation can only lead to you astray. Okay? That's what he says. 
That's good. That's a good yeah. response. <laughs> if it gets the- Same response he uses at home and everything. Yeah. Honey, you need to go out and then find a job. Calculations will Can lead only you lead you a stay. <laughs> If any visual we need evidence, a budget. calculations. <laughs> if any visual evidence was presented against his theory, the Austrian engineer dismissed such pictures, saying they were faked by reactionary astronomers. <laughs> fake news, yeah. Fake, 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 fake. These calculations will only lead you astray. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One Austrian astronomer, Edmund Weiss, pointed out that the same method used by Horbinger could also prove that the universe consisted of olive oil. All right. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, so at least like, it's healthy oil. That's <laughs> yeah, the uh, only one. So, like, it don't make no sense, Hans. Come on, buddy. While the ideas didn't find immediate acceptance, his efforts after World War I to publicize their theory eventually paid off. He created a whole movement promoting the ice world vision through societies, public lectures, movies, radio programs, wow. magazines, podcasts, <laughs> and novels. <laughs> no, didn't do podcasts. They didn't have them back then. Um, can you imagine? Ah, for podcasts. Ice Thank World you for theory. the first podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Iceberg Theory Episode 2. We will be <laughs> talking about the alien race in oh. Antarctica. Um, one of the early... What's my sponsor? I'll get there. <laughs> the SS is a very delightful thing to join. Would you like to give your email address for the SS? <laughs> um, one, one of the early supporters of the World Ice Theory was Houston Stewart Chamberlain. Oh, Hello, hey. I'm Houston Stewart Chamberlain. I'm an early supporter of World Ice Theory. <laughs> he was also a leading theorist of the developing National Socialist Party, the Nazi Party. Uh, after his death in 1931, Horbinger's death, his followers decided to line up their views even more with National so- Socialism. National uh, Socialism. <laughs> the ice world theory became the German antithesis to the Jewish physics, and specifically to the theory of relativity developed by Einstein. That dude didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> it's all ice, Albert. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, the theory of relativity and whatnot. You fool. It don't make no sense. <laughs> the calculations just lead you astray. <laughs> yeah, calculations but just lead you astray, Albert. Um, <laughs> supporters of the theory were known to say such thing as, our Nordic ancestors grew strong in ice and snow. Belief in the cosmic ice is consequently the natural heritage of Nordic man. Yes. Yeah. Aryan. Um, Hitler himself became a big proponent of the world ice theory. In fact, he planned to build a planetarium in Linz where a whole ice. a whole floor would be dedicated to the theory. Cool. Entire floor. <laughs> he also, it was been known to suggest that the world ice theory would soon replace Christianity. Mm, almost got there. Yeah. Dang. Mm, but not quite. I don't know how it didn't. So anyways, that was the world ice theory. That's cool. Pretty nice. That's crazy, yeah. Yeah. If you got a block of ice, you can keep your nutrient survival cold. <laughs> okay? Nutrient survival is made with real ingredients. Don't think they use any ice. Made in America to keep Americans healthy, strong, and alert. Perfect for today. Ready for anything ahead. From hearty, delicious entrees and nutrient-dense snacks to immunity-boosting drinks and strength-building shakes. Each with 40 essential nutrients available on handy singles, daily-use pantry packs, durable cans, and 3-90-day to survival kits. Keeping your world safe and your 
body in peak condition. This isn't your everyday cheap, empty calorie, bland food storage. This stuff actually has nutritional value and tastes delicious. Mm. Mm. Check Chocolate out their crunch granola. Yeah, check out world their... ice berry. Mmm. <laughs> 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 check out their new NREs, nutrition ready to eat. They're awesome. Head Those over to nutrientsurvival.com. Awesome. Use our code Casual Preppers. 10% off your entire order. Yeah, it's such good options. This is a wonderful deal. This is very good. It's a wonderful deal. calculations will lead you astray. <laughs> Just go. Do not calculate. <laughs> Just get directly to the website. The only calculation <laughs> is putting in cash for Yeah. Um, which is werewolves and vampires. Oh, now we're getting to the They had the good some belief stuff. in those Did they? as well. That's awesome. So I like the witches ones. My Probably my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Um, during the 1930s, a team of 17 SS officers worked secretly for a unit called the Special Simon H. Okay. <laughs> Preparation H team. <laughs> unit H for Hexen or Witches. Ooh. Ooh. So they couldn't say that. Got to say H. Carrying out the project was an or was ordered directly by Himmler, the head of the SS, and overseen by SS officer Rudolf Levin. As Harrington notes, the special group, which consists mainly of young men in their 20s, plowed daily through stacks of execution reports uh, sent in from around the country, carefully tabulating the essentials on note cards specially designed for this purpose. That sounds like a wonderful job. Uh Uh-huh. We're going to find all the executions of these witches. I note cards. But why did they do this? I don't know. You want to know why? Sure. Because um, they were actually going to use the witchcraft to sustain Nazis... For over a thousand years. But wait, where are they getting this witchcraft? They're going through all the witch hunts. All the witch hunts. all the um, documents of executions because people were, that were accused of being witches. Oh, okay. So they're going through, they're compiling all this information mm-hmm. because they wanted to figure out what exactly these witches could do. Zvich, witch is witch. Himmler believed huh? heavily that the witch genes were passed down and could be used to Germany's <laughs> advantage. <laughs> we're going to breed guy, some witches? <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right, some of these theories aren't working out. I'm going to go find all the witch hunts and find out who was maybe left that we could get some witch chants. He actually incorporated some, uh, some like witch dances and stuff into the SS that he believed was like giving them some immunity and stuff. Oh my gosh. That I guy. I need 17 boys. We're they going let to that breed guy control witches. so much. So. Going to breed the witches. <laughs> this is a purebred witch. <laughs> that witch right there is a purebred. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's crazy. They really believed Your in witches, and bitch. they were just compiling all this useless information about the execution so that they could use their power. What if those witch note cards are hanging around somewhere? Wouldn't that be awesome to have? Yeah. Sounds like they made some specific note cards for yeah. that. Pretty cool. Those were called dungeons and... <laughs> <laughs> Character sheets for D&D. Yeah, exactly. That's what they were. That's where. That's why we got those. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also had fear and belief of vampires. Uh, Nazis mm-hmm. leaders genuinely viewed the Jews as an omnipotent supernatural monsters responsible <laughs> for the devastation of the Second World War. What? Like, as well as nearly every crime throughout history. Of course, yeah. In Mein Kampf, Hitler uh, made multiple reference, references to Jews as vampires, bloodsuckers, and is it spongers? Spongers? That's what I was thinking. Stating that wherever he appears, the host people dies out after a shorter or longer period. I don't short, know if he was long. specifically thinking that like they were vampires, vampires, more so they were just like sucking life sure. out of the culture and mm-hmm. people. So, but interesting, very werewolves. Mm-hmm. This one, I this one, this one's kind of the same way. It, it, it's almost like using folklore 
as a power to give people like a motivation. He he basically research institutes uh, both Himmler and influential Nazi ideology. Alfred Rosenberg produced reports suggesting that the incarnation of the werewolf werewolf <laughs> runs through a <laughs> werewolf runs. I'm coming out of me. What's there's a isn't there a movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, incarnation of the werewolf runs through Aryan and German fairy tales and naming conventions. Okay, and was one of the or Germanic characters of the German racial spirit. Mm-hmm. There was no connection between the werewolf and Slavic vampire, wrote the Nazi folklorist Lutz Mackensen. Vampires linked to Nazi minds with the Jews were evil and racially degenerate. Of course they were. Werewolves, on the other hand, belonged to that rare group of heroes who could change into animals and could never serve the devil. As the dogs of God... <laughs> Dogs of God. <laughs> Werewolves were forces. This sounds for like good. a like a Christian yeah. like dog groomer or something. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of sounds like something from uh Where's Dogs of God. Oh, what is it? Uh Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe yeah. type of thing. Sure. The dogs of God. Werewolves were forces for good, defending the people against evil and protecting their souls. An argument made by one of Alfred Rosenberg's uh subordinates in a dissertation. So um, they believed the werewolves were good. So they mm-hmm. kind of used that a lot. Actually, if you look at all the Germans names of like military command, they, mm-hmm. they use wolf a they lot do, yeah. because they believed that that was a good didn't they, thing. Didn't he have like they a were, castle or something that was Wolfenstein? Wolfenstein. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That dude. But wasn't there like the wolf's den or the, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the, one of Hitler's there, Yeah, castles? it was, uh, uh I thought I'd put it in here, but I didn't. But, um, yeah. So they believed it was, you know, sacred and it was mm-hmm. like, it, well, Dogs of God. So, yeah, for sure. Anyways, um, national radio broadcast urged German civilians to join the werewolf movement. That mm-hmm. means basically like, kind of like um, the werewolf movement was basically the Wolverines. Oh, it's like, like guerrilla warfare. So people warfare. were like, yeah, yep, mm-hmm. exactly. So they were like, um, even one female broadcaster um, proclaimed, I am so savage. I am so savage. I am filled with rage. I'm filled with rage. <laughs> Lily the werewolf is I'm my out name. I'm my mind with anger. I bite, I eat. I am not tame. Werewolf teeth bite the enemy. Mm. So they kind of use that as like a little drive to sure. fend off any uh, opposing allied forces. During the final months of the war, many Nazis and many ordinary Germans wanted to believe that death was not permanent. Sure. That fantasy was reality, that a magical priest such as Hitler or perhaps some new prophet might rescue them from annihilation. In this way, the regime's fanciful preoccupations with miracle weapons, partisan werewolves, vampires, rituals, uh, self-immolation functioned as a form of therapy for German suffering, Mm. material and psychological distress. That's what they kind of think. Maybe they were just like desperate... uh, of the end sure they didn't want to die they wanted to find a way to succeed so it's kind of interesting that is interesting here's uh, uh is something else that's interesting um so there was a secret office in berlin there's a lot of them okay this one was another one okay um on the door it said sp what do you think that san- that stood for <laughs> let me tell you they stood for side real pendulum mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. inside 
Nazi psychics were using magical pendulums to find warships. <laughs> okay. They had their own little office. Oh, they had their whole office. Uh, no, no, right no, no, no. Go in that door. The bathroom's uh, down the hall. Yeah, that's the piece over there. <laughs> okay. The Nazis started the project because they were convinced that the British already had a team of psychics spying on them. Right. Um, a Nazi report said that, way. that reliable sources had confirmed that the British had established an institute where, by help of using pendulums, the positions of German warships and most of all U-boats were um, investigated. <laughs> they were using pendulums, okay? In reality, the British had just cracked Enigma, and they were listening on their coded uh, messages. Fire! That's splash. 100% what they were doing. Like, they just had it, and they were psychics. They were just... Like over the sea? Like over a map? Over a map. That's so crazy. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So they it bought, does, though. Yeah, it does. They're pendulums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They bought into the psychic theory and tried to build a team of their own. Just put a, you know, an ad in the paper. Need some pendulum psychics. <laughs> you know, dollar fifty Looking an for hour. Friend. <laughs> Looking for friends who likes pendulums. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, That's. Things, so things really got underway when a man named Ludwig Stanik uh, yeah. hovered a pendulum over a map to locate a downed German battleship, and it was actually right. <laughs> it worked. One and done. It was actually probably a fluke. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the Nazis were so thrilled. They set up a whole team, and they did nothing but dangle pendulums <laughs> over maps trying to find the enemies. That's so crazy. Yeah. Well, so there you go. If it works once, it'll always work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, this one's awesome, too. Okay. Astrologer battle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Astrologers warned Hitler, so Britain hired one to counter it. Mm -hmm. So not only are the Germans superstitious here and kind of crazy, the the British didn't look so hot Yeah, either. they're getting into it as well. A few days before an assassin tried to kill Hitler at the Munich Beer Hall, a Swiss astrologer tried to warn Hitler that his life was in danger. His name what? was Karl Ernst Kraft, the, not the founder of the cheese company. The, the cheese. And at the start of November 1939, he wrote a letter to his friend, uh, Dr. Heinrich Fessel, who worked for Heinrich Himmler. Hmm. Hitler would be in danger, Kraft warned, between November 8th and November 10th, 2000. <laughs> it's like, I was somewhere in here. Yeah. Which could have been easy to say any week of the sure, yeah. time Hitler lived. Um, Kraft said Hitler would cancel, should cancel every public appearance. Mm -hmm. Dr. Fessel didn't pass the message on at first, but when the bomb went off, he rushed over to tell Himmler. Himmler took it seriously. Well, it's like, oh, now you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you could have just made it. that up. <laughs> oh, guess what? Somebody told us that this was going to blow. Yeah. Himmler took it seriously, and the Nazi pyre hired Kraft. Kraft probably didn't do much uh, after that for the Nazis, but there's proof that... Uh, is this Goebbels? How do you say that? Goebbels. Yeah. Um, hired him to go over Nostradamus's predictions yeah. and find a way to present them to make it sound like Hitler was destined to win the war. <laughs> but most of the things Kraft has claimed that like that uh, he was Hitler's personal astrologer probably went, weren't true. Kraft made up enough stories about how important he was to the Nazis, though, that the British heard about it and hired an astrologer of their own to counter him. <laughs> yeah. And pretty soon, the two most powerful armies in the world were in the minor fortune-telling arms race. Jeez. That's so crazy. That it doesn't make any sense. It's Jim, 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 tell us uh, uh, where they're going to be next. <laughs> yeah. They got a Kraft. We're going to get um, Johnson & Johnson over here. Okay? So, that does, that's so, so crazy. crazy. Like, it's nuts. The desperation. This is... Again, no. with astrology, Himmler, uh, according to Wilhelm Wolf, Heinrich Himmler's personal astrologer, so this is another one, Himmler didn't just hire people. Yeah, they used a lot of, like, they <laughs> liked those little. 
with, with supernatural powers. He thought he could see the future himself. Himmler did. Okay. Himmler told Wolf that he never made a decision without first consulting the positions of the stars and the moons. I got to take a crap. Should I do it now or later? What do the stars look like right now? Okay. I'll do it now. That stupid ice moon. <laughs> stupid. Up. I can't see the stars. Ice moon's too bright tonight. <laughs> I don't know. Um, every major command he'd given the Nazi army, army, he said, was based upon certain little-known moon constellations. Ironically, Himmler ended up banning astrology across Germany. But if Wolf is to be believed, he didn't ban it because it was nonsense. He banned astrology because he was afraid it was too powerful. Okay? We cannot permit others besides ourselves to occupy themselves with astrology. That's good. Astrology must remain privilegium singularum. That's like a Harry Potter saying yeah. or something. That's yeah. what it sounds like, doesn't it? it does. <laughs> In the national so- socialist state. And you just made my pop bottle flow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyways, I have said it like that. Anyways, he was all about, he thought he could tell the future. He was all into astrology. So that's, that's pretty nuts, huh? Yeah, freaking astrologers, man. They know a lot. They do. They really tell do. Tell us the weather every day. <laughs> I went to an astrologer uh, the other day, and he said, you got to go to off-the-grid surplus. Oh, yeah. That's why I, I don't like I guess if you say so, I'm going to do it. You know, they inspire greater connection through adventure. They do that by creating extremely functional and everyday wearable products for a great price that take you off the grid. Uh, how do they do it, Cam? They sim- they simplify your clothing options so you only need one piece of clothing instead of three or four. Who likes more? I like less yes. when it comes to that department. They combine the best features from outdoor workwear and tactical into one everyday wearable package, and they've got crotch gussets for days, boys. For days. <laughs> okay. Gotta love that crowd. Yes. Gotta love that crowd. Gotcha. I'm sure they uh, consulted with an astro- astrologer. Ast- astrologer. <laughs> yeah. Um, check out their site, authorgoodsurplus.com. Get an extra 15% off with our code CASUALPREPPERS15. All the good stuff. There. Yeah, go ask your local astrologer about yeah, that. Yeah, go tell them. So um, here's another one that really spiked Himmler's interest. Sure, yeah. SS Carl Wilgut. Mm. Uh, I feel feel good. Really good. Uh, how do you feel? Really good. Uh, really good. <laughs> really good. Uh, he had some weird ideas. German culture, he believed, had started in 228,000 BC. Okay. Rough estimate. <laughs> Back when there were three suns in the sky <laughs> and giants and dwarfs roamed the earth. So funny to think like three suns. Just like the logic of it. It's yeah. like I bet there were three suns. Yeah, it makes sense. You had to wear sunscreen from all angles. Yeah. And Jesus was German, he insisted, and his real name was Christ. <laughs> Christ Kringle. <laughs> it's not Christ, it's Christ, idiots. <laughs> Sounds about the is it. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Um he had a whole God complex him, uh, himself because mm. he told people that he was a descendant of an ancient German God King. Okay, yeah, I know what I'm talking yeah. about. That's just how he got the girls. <laughs> you ever going? Is your family successful? Well, I am a descendant <laughs> of a German God King, so I would say so. You ever going to bed with a, a German God King descendant? <laughs> I'm the nephew of a German God King. How about that? There's a story you're going to want to tell. <laughs> but you haven't seen something like this. Yeah, God King's taking off his pants. Some of the Aryans <laughs> kind of passed on in some ways. <laughs> um, a, a nice ball down there for you. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> oh, one person, though, got on board with it. He uh, liked all the stuff that this Carl oh, yeah, yeah. will go saying. 
Of course, that was him. It's really good stuff. Anything that was weird yeah. and like out of this world and just him sounded ridiculous. Him was like, hire him. <laughs> Part of our crew now. Get him on the payroll. <laughs> yes, Pay that man. I think if I was in that time, I'd just come up with these weird ideas. Yeah. I'm like, I bet y'all get hired. Uh, heck yeah. Vilgut helped convince Himmler that he was a reincarnation of a medieval <laughs> king named Henry the Fowler. Henry the Fowler. Yeah. <laughs> the dumbest name ever. Fowler. Himmler hired Wilgut to help him with the weird mystical building project. I don't know what that is. Wilgut helped Himmler find the perfect place to build a Wellesberg castle. Well, well, Wellesberg castle. Yeah. His attempt to build a Nazi resurrection of Camelot. They had like a weird like King Arthur fascination to Yeah, anything, man. It's so like odd. Any <laughs> little nursery rhyme, they were... They think that that was true. Too. Yeah, no kidding, huh? We're going to make our own Humpty Dumpty castle. Okay? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, it's just... Seriously. It's so dumb. Oh, mother um, Goose. Yeah. Apparently, at one point, Hitler banned supernatural wonder workers. Which is kind of interesting. It is interesting, but Himmler's like, F you, Hitler. I'm mm-hmm. going to do whatever I want, okay? I don't tell you what you can do. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, I'm going to do this. He was pretty sure they worked, so he hired them back. Payrolls, probably, yeah. probably bleeding money out. Yeah, all the people he's hiring. What is this category over here? I don't get it. <laughs> it's, it's, just, uh, it's just something I'm working on. <laughs> it's, a, it's a personal project that you're going to be very interested in at some point. <laughs> just don't worry about it. Oh, so Hitler had ordered his intelligence team to track Mussolini down, right? Um because they were trying to find find a man. Yeah. Uh, he's got to be in Italy somewhere. <laughs> um, and they didn't have an idea where to find him. Find me somebody. Find, find me anybody. And Himmler's like, in a panic, he called up the occultists he'd thrown into prison. <laughs> okay. He promised them their freedom if you could find Mussolini. Find that. That guy's like, no, over it. <laughs> One of the physics, uh, psychics, uh, physics, declared that he had found Mussolini on an island west of Naples by swinging a pendulum over a map. Oh, yeah, yeah, that That's pendulum swinging. Classic, <laughs> classic way to find somebody. We're all used to that <laughs> pendulum swinging. <laughs> yeah. It's still swinging, Himmler. I'll let you know when it stops. Okay. <laughs> and I'm ready. <laughs> and I'm ready. <laughs> uh, nobody actually listened to him. The Germans ended up finding Mussolini by intercepting radio messages, which is a better oh, way. Shut up. Go back to prison. Oh, you're using your radio and science. I don't care. I got a pendulum over Where's here. Where's your pendulum now, boy? <laughs> yeah. But when they finally freed Mussolini, it didn't escape Himmler's notice that one of his psychics had actually gotten the location right. Oh, my gosh. They found it. So secretly, Himmler, he kept uh, his psychics on the Nazi payroll, convinced that his secret team of psychics would win <laughs> him the war. payroll, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they had so many people on that payroll. Heinrich, we need some more food for the soldiers. <laughs> Uh, nope, sorry, nah. I just hired an astrologer this week. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. But why don't you get back to work? Get back to work. Um, This is interesting, too. Okay. Hitler hired a clairvoyant to tell the future. Of course he did. Yeah. In 1933, just before he became Chancellor of Germany, uh, Hitler visited a clairvoyant named Eric John Hansen uh, and asked him to tell his future. Hansen had caught Hitler's attention a year earlier when he published an article prophesying that Hitler would become Chancellor of Germany in 1933. I like this guy. (laughs) There's something about this guy. He's got something going for him. (laughs) We need to talk with this guy. Put him on the payroll, huh? (laughs) 
<laughs> nah, Hitler. Yeah. Uh, Hitler believed Hansen, uh, Hanusen, Hanusen could tell the future enough to pay him uh, for at least one private session. Although Hanusen is, it is believed Hitler visited him a dozen of other times on off record. Off the record. During their session, um, Hanusen told Hitler that there would be a favorable rise in his future. In my pants. <laughs> <laughs> hindrance, a hindrance stood in the way. My pawns, <laughs> my buckles. <laughs> Newsom promised Hitler that he would use a magical spell <laughs> to ensure Hitler's success. Okay, close your eyes. <laughs> Count to ten. Say abracadabra. Hold on. I grab my pen. Does something swinging in front of your face? It's not my penis. <laughs> it's a nice ball. <laughs> Two big ice balls. <laughs> Two big ice balls. <laughs> he would get a mandrake root from a butcher's yard and oh, yeah. bury it in the town of Hitler's birth under the light of the full moon. <laughs> Just some random, I'm going to take this root, Listen bury it. <laughs> Hitler had no idea that man was Jewish, but Newson definitely knew that Hitler was planning on using his race as a scapegoat. Yep. He figured, though, that he would charm the anti- uh, Semitism right out of Hitler. I got the pendulum for Hitler that. Hitler just needed friendship, he insisted. <laughs> yeah. To learn that there were good people everywhere. Little did he know yeah. what Hitler was really capable of. Do you want to know what Hitler should have had his Jew detector with him? Because he hired one. <laughs> Nearly as soon as World War One ended, Adolf Hitler made friends with a doctor named Wilhelm Gutberg. <laughs> Yeah, Gutberlet. Um, Just start beeping when you hear one, when you see one. <laughs> That's me know if the Jews are around. Um, swing your pendulum. <laughs> I like it when you swing your pendulum. Um, by day, <laughs> Gutberlet was an ordinary, mild-mannered physician. But by night, he used his secret mystical powers to detect Jews. I've been there, been there. <laughs> this is like a... German comic book character. This sounds or like a Netflix series. <clears throat> Gutberlert regularly boasted that he had, in the words of one Nazi, the power to sense at once the presence of any Jews. You can tell if they're around. Mm -hmm. Okay. He would dangle a pendulum. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. How much? I got to get me a, a German pendulum. Yeah. How much pendulum dangling was happening in it, Germany? Probably the British people had like Shippers, a pendulum yeah. company. Oh, yeah. And they were like funding their own war effort by selling pendulums to <laughs> the Germans. The love the these Germans. things. <laughs> I think we can beat them at their own game. <laughs> Listen to me. We're going to make a lot of money on this. <laughs> Um, you would dangle a pendulum in the air and ask if someone was Jewish. If they answer yes, I know they're Jews. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, that's pretty simple, actually. Uh, <laughs> Why don't we just ask him without the pendulum? I thought about just asking him. <laughs> um, just to make it look cool. Yeah. Believing that the direction it spun would expose any secret Hebrew Hebrews. Okay? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, he was a huge part of the early Nazi movement. He was one of Hitler's first followers, and before Goebbels took over, was the man behind the Nazi party propaganda machine. Mm. So, he was like a big dude in, the, in the Nazi party. He and Hitler bonded early over their mutual anti-Semitism. Just, you know, buddies hanging out, <laughs> talking about hatred of an entire you race. You hate him, I hate him. <laughs> hey, high five. High five, buddies. Go watch a soccer game. Um, but Hitler's gonna swing our pendulums. <laughs> yeah, you got a pendulum, you got a brand new one. What you got going on tonight? I'm come over and swing a pendulum. Yeah. <laughs> I got a bottle of scotch and three fresh new pendulums, <laughs> you know, <laughs> straight from London. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he didn't just talk to Gerbilit about racism. 
He used him to employ his magical Judar. Ah, Judar. <laughs> this Judar was very good. Um, the Nazi's head of foreign intelligence, Walter Schellenberg, has gone on the record saying that Hitler availed himself of Gutberlet's mystic power. And he didn't just do it once. Apparently, Hitler and Gutberlet spinning his pendulum to find Jews all the way up until his death. <laughs> yeah. The pendulum's used to identify Nazis or Jews. That's crazy. Yeah. Still works, bet. I bet it does. <laughs> Are know. you a Jew? <laughs> I don't even need my pendulum. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, okay. Yes, he's You're not. one of those secret Hebrews. <laughs> <laughs> I will find out. Um, the Nazis also did a little searching in the Yeti was part of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As discussed before, uh, Tibet was a huge project to research and find the origins of the remains of the Aryan race, master race that the Germans believe they are part of. Remember? Remember that? I just talked about it. Yeah, yeah, I do. When they left Tibet in 1939, the German expedition took everything they could get their hands on. They sure. returned to Germany bearing uh, pendulums. <laughs> now, artifacts. <laughs> <a> Tibetan pendulum. <laughs> I don't know what this one will tell you. Uh, artifacts, plants, animals, and dead, both dead and alive, including three breeds of dog. I don't what? know why. God dogs. <laughs> yeah. Dogs of God. Yeah. Look at these werewolves we found. <laughs> That's a dog. Uh, among That's us. That's a collie. That's <laughs> not a werewolf. That's a border collie. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just brought it over. <laughs> Looks like a werewolf. <laughs> we have me. some of that plasma water. Yeah. Feeling Give him a little lap of that. <laughs> He'll turn into a werewolf. No something. Doubt. Hopefully princess or something. <laughs> Uh, among those specimens, specimens <laughs> was something Himmler chose to believe was a Yeti. Oh, yeah. The sad monstrosity would eventually be identified through DNA sampling as a Tibetan bear <laughs> with dog's teeth replacing its own. <laughs> they just wedged some stuff together. Have you seen a picture of this? No. It's the most ridiculous looking oh, thing. Oh, my gosh. It's unlikely this Yeti looked like looked like anything Himmler would have publicized as his <laughs> master race. Yeah, as a master race. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Nazi Yeti can be seen today in Reinhold Messner Mountain Museum in northern Italy. I'll have to go check that out. Next I know. Time I'm it, there. It, it, yeah. <laughs> One Nazi man, an SS man, was sent by Hitler and Himmler to the Himalaya and searched to search for the Yeti, he told National Geographic in 2000. The Germans were hoping that the Yeti could be the basis or missing link of the Aryan race. They think that that's what the Yeti yeah, was. Yeah, that makes sense. Himmler was okay. sick about this stuff. He wanted <laughs> he to just have it. He wanted to put him on a payroll. <laughs> um, the theory of the glacial uh, cosmogony, uh, um, now cos- cosmic energy springs from the clash between ice and fire, and that was popular at the time that you talked about. Himmler was convinced that it proved that the divine origin of the Aryan race. The Yeti may <laughs> the have been Yeti. a reason for this mandate that the tip. Tibetan data be kept secret. Uh, Yeti's the dumbest looking thing I've ever seen. It's so bad looking. Yeah. yeah. Himmler like had some very movie. strange ideas and he wanted to prove that the Nordic race had come directly from the skies. They all believed in the glacial cosmology. Mm. So um, he really thought that that Yeti could have possibly been one of the remaining mm-hmm. uh, Aryans just wandering about. Sure. So they went and searched for it and they brought Great. back a slapped together piece of dead animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, guys. Good job. Yeah. Money well spent. Get at your pendulums. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> some people actually think that the Nazis were trying to make zombies 
or bring people mm-hmm. back to life, right? See, Anna Nerby, acting out of Himmler's fantasies and theories, both sought supernatural advantages for the Nazi war effort, but also had a propagandistic agenda to seek scientific evidence to support Nazi beliefs, right? These experiments on human subjects, many concentration camp inmates, provide horrifying facts that can lead to the theory about Nazi experiments to reanimate the dead. Um, in um, April 1945, at a munitions factory depot called Burton Road um, in the German region of Thuringia, 40,000 yeah, 40, tons of ammunition were found. Jeez. Inside the mine, investigating American officers noticed what looked like a brick wall painted over to match the color of the mine shaft. The wall turned out to be a five-foot-thick. Um, the mortar between the bricks is not even fully hardened yet when they got in there. Breaking through with pickaxes and hammers, the officers uncovered several vaults containing a wealth of Nazi regalia, including a long uh, haul... Huh? Pendulums. A huge box of pendulums. <laughs> not Nazi banners. Oriental trade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Filled with uniforms, uh, hundreds of stolen artworks, tapestries, books, paintings, um, decorative arts, you know. Um, in a separate chamber, they found something even crazier. Four monumental coffins containing the skeletons of the 17th century Prussian king Frederick the Great. Wow. Uh, Field Marshal von Hindenburg and his wife. But that's even even crazier thing is there was a fourth coffin there that was empty, and it had an engraved nameplate on it that said Adolf Hitler. Really? Yeah. It was empty. It was empty. Hmm. That's kind of weird, right? So uh, the return of the corpses to their proper resting places was a military operation called Operation Body Snatch, and it was uh, done by the Monuments Men again. Um, It was never clear what the Nazis planned to uh, use these disintegrated bodies for, uh, but conspiracy theorists offered no shortage of suggestions, obviously. In 1950, a Life magazine writer speculated that the corpses were to be concealed until some future movement when their reappearance could be timed by resurgent Nazis to fire another German generation to rise and conquer again. You know, the specific wording, rise and conquer again, obviously... Kind of felt like maybe they're trying to bring people back to life or reanimate people, right? So to add to this, the gruesome experiments in which some Anunnaki researchers were engaged and the Nazi zombie theory gets even easier to understand. So they did experiments to see how best to bring frozen people back from the dead or like from almost dead. This is just nuts, obviously. They'd freeze them till they were almost dead and sometimes they would put them in a pot of or like a big tub of almost boiling water to bring them back which is obviously not great but the other way they tried to bring them back which i mean if this is what happens this is not bad they would uh, put them in a warm bed with several women and let them have sex with them Hmm. with the frozen body yeah well they're bringing the frozen body back to life so it would be a guy, and they put him in like, a I'm bed. I'm coming out of this. <laughs> yeah. But they, that was actually what they tried. Wow. Is to put him in a bed and let him have group sex. It mm. doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any but sense. But it's what it is. So it's not a huge leap to see I'm a sure connection. I'm sure that was one of their... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Hear me out. Let's try this. Let's, <laughs> what do you think? A bunch of women. You can freeze me. Yeah. Just don't completely freeze me. Then then I want to see... Like, Just get back. me cold. <laughs> yeah. I'll run around a building once and come back inside. <laughs> let's, cl- let's call that a good... <laughs> Study. Yeah. I Success. We got to try different levels. I came of back from the dead, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Write that down. Get out your pendulum. <laughs> make that make that real, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, you can see, like, there's a connection between reanimation 
in a frozen dead body. That's crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? And so also, also in November 1944, they saw an experiment with a cocktail drug called DIX. I think that's how it's uh, Dix. said. Dix. <laughs> I'll say it for you. <laughs> D-IX. Maybe it's D9. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's what it looks like. Probably. Isn't that what you spray on the yard to kill? <laughs> yeah. He's not a tumor. It's D9. <laughs> um, Sessionhausen concentration camp. The D9, I'm guessing I'm going to call it that, included cocaine and a stimulant called pervitine. Mm. Pervitine. Pervitine. <laughs> we're going to put a little pervitine in there. give you a little spray of pervitine. <laughs> Take off your pants and gonna give you a little shot of pervitine. Okay? <laughs> Take off your pants. <laughs> this procedure this procedure take a minute. <laughs> take this pill of pervitine. Yeah. A little bit of pervitine oil. <laughs> That'll help. And hit a little line of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. The left Waffe, uh, so the Nazi Air Force had been supplied with twenty nine million pervitine pills Dang from April to December of nineteen thirty nine alone. With the pill code named OBM. Uh, its use left the soldiers addicted, but did succeed in extending attention spans, reducing like the need meth. for sleep and food, and giving dramatic increase in stamina. Is cocaine addictive? <laughs> 18 prisoners were, I don't given, know why they're addicted. were given these pills and forced to march while wearing backpacks loaded with 20 kilos of material. After taking the pills, they were able to march without rest up to 90 kilometers a day. <laughs> I want that pill. <laughs> Give me that pill. So um, you can kind of see how maybe this uh, bringing people back from frozen and giving them the perf pills. It's modern day Adderall. Yeah, it, perf pill, frozen. Uh, back from the dead, you got a zombie. Wow. Pretty much. So anyways, that's kind yeah. of a crazy... Give me some of that dicks. <laughs> Give me that dicks, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some of that dicks. <laughs> yeah. Get out to your pendulum. Yeah, I think it, is, taking it does his dicks look like kill. D9. <laughs> it's probably D9. Yeah, I don't know. I'll go ahead and say it. <laughs> I'll go ahead and say it. It's a dick, um, Phil. One of the articles had this at the ending, and I just thought it was kind of cool. It's like... The world for many people, perhaps most of us, still feels enchanted, full of rules and mm -hmm. forces and possibilities outside the strict empirical norm. Um, often the supernatural imagination is wacky and wonderful, but in the wrong hands, it can go mm -hmm. quick. It can quickly go to dark places, darker places, mm -hmm. for better or worse. Ours is not a world free of ghosts. I get that. So, yeah. no, oh, a lot of crazy that? stuff, man. Super crazy. How man. crazy is that? I mean, obviously they were crazy, but right. I had no idea they were so obsessed mm -hmm. with pendulums, man. I just, what's the deal? I got to give me a German pendulum. <laughs> it was my ancestors. Pendulums. Yeah. Uh, mm. Before we go, I do want to talk about the latest TAC pack that yeah. we just received. Um, good stuff, as always. Cool shirt. Got shirts. There and you go. First item is the Gerber Armbar Slim Drive Tool. Pretty cool little... Uh, uh, I thought thing. it was a whistle when I first it got it. It's not a whistle. <laughs> mm -mm. Did you look at it? I did look at it. It looked like a whistle, see? It kind of does look like a whistle, huh? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. There's no way you're getting that off there. Nope, I'm staying there forever. Um, The Atwood Ready Rope Tool. Does that get you some good pay record? Right? Look at all that. Yeah. Look at all that. And then we got the My... A lot on there. How many feet? I don't know. 7,000? Yeah. 100 feet. Think about how many pendulums you could put on there. <laughs> My Ambi Vice t-shirt. That's pretty good. <clears throat> pretty cool, huh? Um, The Squatch Rope Fire Starter. Upside down. Upside down. Squatch Rope. Squatch Rope. It will start the fire in your knickers. 
Um, <laughs> then we've got the poly striker tool. There's and then, the poly striker. And then we got the blue hedgehog with a full kit sticker. Don't want to say something. inappropriate. <laughs> inappropriate stickers. That's whatever. cool. Yeah. Anyways, use our code Casual Preppers. You can get you one of them. There you go. All right. Anything else, Cameron? Uh, no. I'm going to go get me a pendulum. All right. Audio stay survived.